This is the hard truth, Tony Schaefer, powered by Six Hour Never Settle. I never do. Uh, I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best, and the best is Six Hour Never Ever Ever Settle. We are on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also available on the America Out Loud Podcast Network. Check us out at ProjectSentinel.net and London Center for Policy Research, LondonCenter.org. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, real quick, uh, shout out to my friend Cherie Curry, who does our, our theme and bumper music. God bless you, Cherie. Uh, doing great things out there on tour again. And uh, we're back to talk today about several issues that relate to China. China, as uh, Donald Trump would say. And we're joined by distinguished fellow uh, of the London Center for Policy Research, one of my my favorite people and uh, someone I, I dearly respect because of his courage, uh, Gordon Chang. Gordon, welcome to The Hard Truth. Thank you so much, Tony. So, you know, you and I are on a lot together, which I appreciate, and I think uh, people learn a lot. But today I'd like to go in and do a bit of a deeper dive regarding the context and direction of this issue, the China issue, the PRC, CCP issue, from the perspective that I, I don't think people are fully grasping the scope of the problem and the challenge. So um, uh, what I'd like to do is start with, and I guess I would I would call this China's ambitions. And uh, I've done a lot of research. I often do research, believe it or not, before our interviews. But I, I've done a lot of research for this interview in particular because I really wanted to expand out the discussion of the culture, of the direction of the culture, of why they think the way they do, that is the, the CCP leadership, and what that means for us in reality. So let's let's just start with now. Uh, Xi, uh, President Xi has been essentially doing a few a number of things which I consider provocative. Uh, they, they, the Chinese, have established an objective for themselves going back before Xi, uh, Gordon, to establish dominance of the Pacific Rim, period. And uh, this is not something new. Uh, I, I think the audience may be familiar, and I think we've discussed this in person. Uh, I worked for a think tank called the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. We actually did a deep dive. We called it the inside-out analysis of China uh, with, uh, with uh, Boeing, with Phantom Works, to examine the realities of this. And in, in, in many ways, Gordon, and again, I'm not I'm, I'm trying to allow just kind of paint the the uh, picture for us to for you to fill in the colors. The Chinese today are much more focused on nationalistic uh, invo invocation of their dynastic thinking than they are communist thinking. Would that be a, a fairly good assessment of kind of where they're at within their thinking right now? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Xi Jinping is the most ambitious aggressor in history um, because he not only wants to dominate uh, what was the old Chinese empire, he wants to rule the entire planet and the near parts of the solar system. And yes, I know that sounds ludicrous, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. Because Xi Jinping, for all of this century, has been pushing the notion that Chinese rulers not only had the mandate of heaven over Tianxia or all under heaven, um, but they actually believed heaven compelled them to rule the entire world. And so this is worldwide Chinese rule. But the other thing is that since 2017, Chinese officials have been talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign Chinese territory. So it's not just planet Earth. It is um, the solar system as well. 
So that's that's where I was going with this, and then you jumped ahead of me on this. So the uh, the initial take that people have, and, I, and some of my some of the colleagues that I find most uh, uh, intelligent, uh, who I get along with famously, don't understand this. They they simply think that China is trying to do things to benefit its people, which it is, which it is, no doubt that they the, the Chinese leadership are trying to build success within the large urban centers of China. And that's one of the three challenges I think they face, and I'll talk about that in a second. But to your point, um, they believe, they, the current Chinese leadership, believe that uh, that the, the great rejuvenation of China, uh, I think that's the proper term, uh, is which is supposed to, quote-unquote, restore their rightful place in the universe. This is... This is mystical thinking, if I've ever heard it. But it's something. But this seems to be really what's driving them. Is that is that an accurate kind of statement? Yes, and and it actually explains a lot of their behavior. So, for yeah. instance, in waters which you know everyone else considers to be international, um, um, part of the global commons, China does what it wants to, and it wants to because it believes that uh, there's no such thing as international waters. That it's right. it's all China's. So um, this explains the way China acts in the air with these dangerous intercepts. It also describes what they're doing on the surface of the sea. And so this is where I want to challenge my libertarian colleagues who seem to always be upset about our quote-unquote national security policy, which requires us to have a significant military force. Our interest, Gordon, as far as I'm concerned, setting aside any issues relating to the neocons or any uh, expeditionary w- military operations by us, the focus that I believe we have uh, had and should maintain is, quote unquote, freedom of navigation. That is to say that the United States has been the guarantor of, of free and open lines of communication and lines of commerce. And uh, to, to your point and to what I'm trying to illustrate here, the Chinese don't accept that. They believe that they have the right to interfere and dominate any uh, any navigate, navigable path. They're just starting with the South China Sea. Is that an accurate uh, representation? Yes, they now call the South China Sea blue national soil. And yeah. if you look at Chinese propaganda, um, they have been basically making the point that uh, the South China Sea is territorial Chinese water. Right. Um, and this is just, it just goes on and on. And so when we look at this, when, when you put it in context, when you start examining the elements of, of power and how the Chinese go about using them, this all makes perfect sense. If you reframe their actions and take away our Western projection. And, and one of the things, Gordon, I think you and I, I know I've talked about this before. We, the United States, and the, even the Europeans tend to project our cultural values onto other nations. And so, yeah, if you project uh, U.S. Uh, culture and values onto the Chinese, it, it, what the Chinese are doing makes absolutely no sense because uh, it, it doesn't, we would not do those things that they're doing. With that said, if you reframe it, if you refocus the picture and you put it in context of the fact that they, the Chinese, have stated that they believe it is their short-term destiny to reestablish the boundaries and authorities over territory that the Ming dynasty had. Basically, it was the maximum extent of the, of the, the dynastic periods. They think that that's just, that's just what they need to do. And, and their perspective is their laws are older than our laws. Is that, is that uh, accurate? Yeah, probably Qing Dynasty rather than Ming, but ah, okay. gotcha. um, no one one could um, 
really what they think is that um, they ought to rule everything that they, the Chinese, have ruled, plus the Qing dynasty, which the Chinese at the time did not consider to be Chinese, but China does now. So, yeah. for instance, the Qing dynasty, the Manchus, actually conquered China. Um, and um, they believe that that is now China, although yeah. at the time the Qings were, were viewed as foreigners. So the Chinese government has three, basically they have to do three things to manage the direction of China. And please correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on these things. This is my assessment overnight that I've come up with. And I stayed up late thinking about this and smoking cigars, so you know it's important. Um, <laughs> the, uh, they basically got, have, have to manage the, the, the expectations of their people. There's billions of people. They have to manage expectations. And for better or for worse, through the enrichment we've given them, the money we've given them, they've helped create a, a more beneficial lifestyle for mo most Chinese. They've raised the, the expectation of most Chinese. They've created this crony capitalism, which is really focused a lot, I, I believe, on the social credit system. I don't want to get into that this minute, but I, I think we should talk about it. But they've got to manage expectations because they've built such high expectations of the Chinese people. Secondly, second area they have to manage is the, the Chinese economy, the growth and sustainment of the empire that they're establishing. And that, that because those things within that mean that uh, they have to manage water. Water is a huge issue for them. They spend a lot of money trying to maintain and, and find potable sources of water, protein. Food is, you got to feed billions of people. You got to find food for them. And because of the, the ge geography in China, they are not blessed with the same great geography we are in the United States. And then, uh, so you've got the people and, and the rising expectations. You've got the economy and, and environment, which they have to manage. And third, then, is the military aspect of this, where I think they've stated because of uh, the demographic shifts they see coming in 2030, that is to say, Gordon, they're going to have an aged population. Uh, you and I are not spring chickens. Uh, unfortunately. But uh, by 2030, they're going to have the bulk of their population over the hill, so to speak. And I don't want to get into age and be accused of ageism, but they've got, they believe there's a limited clock they have available to them to do a lot of the more aggressive military actions. And according to the Navy War College and some others, 2025, 2030 is when they really plan on hitting the gas to do things. Um, do you agree with me that those are three of the the, the primary areas that the, the China the CCP have to manage as, as on a daily basis to to drive forward their belief that they have to do the great rejuvenation? Oh, absolutely. And and the problem for us now is that China is facing simultaneous crises. Yes. So you have the continuing yes. debt defaults, plunging property prices, a stagnating economy, worsening food shortages, deteriorating environment, failing local governments. And of course, the demographic issue that you mentioned. You know, if you look at um, China's demography, they probably will lose somewhere between 800 million to a billion people this year, wow. which means that a country which is now 1.4 billion people is going to be, you know, somewhere between four and 500 million, um, if they're lucky. Um, and that means that a China which is now more than four times populous in the U.S., We'll have just about the same number of people that we will have at when the clock hits 2100. Now, the reason why this is important is because Xi Jinping's diplomacy is to intimidate people. Right. And you can intimidate people if you're big, but you can't intimidate people if you're small. And even though demography takes place, changes in demography takes place over decades, over centuries, 
it's the perception problem for Xi Jinping because people are starting to understand how serious their demographic decline is going to be. But this would make them more aggressive in many ways, I would think. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to worry about China right now. Yeah. We have a Pentagon that has this divest to invest philosophy of taking ships and planes out of service because they want to pay for this, the force of the 2030s and the 2040s. Um, this is really dangerous thinking yes. because I think China is dangerous right now. You know, we don't have to at this point worry about two decades from now. We got to worry about getting over the next two or three years. So let's talk about that a bit because the Navy, the Chinese Navy, the I find this ironic. It's the People Liberations Army Navy. The Army having a navy. That's a great idea. Just saying as an army guy, you know, what the heck? Maybe maybe it's maybe we made the mistake here, not them. With that said, Gordon, uh, right now, uh, to your point, the the Chinese have 19 major shipbuilding yards. 19. We have seven. And if you put together the size of those seven, that does not even make up for the for the size of their largest one. That is to say that that even one of theirs is is as big as as all seven of ours. These things are huge, and they're cranking out ships. And while they're not going to be necessarily the quality of ours, and I've done some study on this, and I've looked at some folks who anal analyze this, we're still, I think, technically superior. But they are doing they the Chinese, the PLA Navy. I got to say that correctly. The PLA Navy is invested in learning lessons from educating itself and rapidly trying to modernize. So to me, Gordon, that, that's an indicator that they plan on expanding their Navy to, for aggressive actions. W am I reading into something wrong incorrectly here? Th that's absolutely right. You know, as, as American military planners say, quantity has its own quality. And right. that's the issue with China right now is that, yes, our ships are better but they've got so many more ships than we do. And when we look at our com the number of our commissioned ships, which is what, 290 or 293 right now, got to remember that one of them is the USS Constitution, mm -hmm. which is tied up in Boston Harbor because it's a uh, sailing ship. And the other is the Pueblo, which is on display in Pyongyang. Yeah. So uh, speaking of national will and, and where things are going, let's take a We've gotten down into this the operational. Let's go back up to the strategic for a moment and talk about the National People's Conference. Uh, the National People Con People's Conference, essentially, as I understand it, Gordon, and please uh, educate me as well as our audience here. That's kind of their version of Congress, kind of where they get together and tr pretend to make decisions. Is that is that accurate? How how would you describe the yeah. the National People's Congress is the supreme um, body uh, of the state. Now, in China, it's, it's different. There is a central government, that's the state, and there's the party, the Communist Party, and the party yeah. reigns supreme over the state. But um, the supreme body of state power is the National People's Congress. It meets periodically, um, but it meets annually, big meeting, first week of March, um, where a lot of attention is focused. And, and they do actually vote on priorities, essentially, of the funding. Now, one of the things I want our audience to understand is that the capital that comes into China, uh, and I know this is a bit of a roundabout way to get to this point, but I'm going to try to make it anyway. All the money that we spend in our economic relationship with China, that is to say, when we buy something at Home Depot, when we uh, give them business to build solar panels, when we send over intellectual uh, uh, um 
basically the intellectual work that we do that they benefit and steal often that all benefits the Chinese. I get it. Uh, it does enrich their, their economy and it helps them manage resources. They can buy and sell things. It helps raise the expectation of the people, but most importantly, some of that money goes to the military. So in many ways, the capital we send them is voted on by this national people's Congress they provide, uh, they basically disperse the capital we send them. Gordon, as I understand it, they have, they have expanded the, the percentage of G- GDP, their gross national project, which goes to the military, which again indicates to me that they, they are building their military for aggressive reasons and the capital we send them is being diverted to the military. Is that an accurate kind of linking things together? Yeah, two points here. Y- yeah. Yes, this is accurate. Um, first of all, China has this doctrine of military civil fusion, mm-hmm. which means that everything that a civilian institution, a company or a university has is available to the military. Right. So we shouldn't have in our mind that there is a civil military distinction in China. Okay. It's all the same thing. But also your second point about the Chinese military getting larger and larger shares of the country's resources. That's absolutely right. So to give you two examples. This year, the Chinese military budget is projected to increase 7.2%. That was announced in March at the National People's Congress. The target for growth of gross domestic product was only 5.0%. Last year, and this will show you how much um, the divergence is. Last year, the military budget was announced to increase 7.1%. The economy grew 3.0% according to official reports but probably contracted. Um, so it shows you the military is just grabbing larger and larger shares of the country's uh, budget. So, and it's being used. I mean, I don't think people, again, this is, I really want this to be something people can look at and, and, and come away with a better, more uh, substantive understanding of China. They're using that military to grab territory. One of the things which has been way under the radar is the 2012 grabbing of Scarborough Shoals Back in June, I think it was June 16th of 2020, 2012. How is it nobody noticed this, Gordon? How is it nobody notices that they're actually grabbing islands in the Pacific and, and we don't seem to do anything about it? Yeah, Scarborough Show was a particularly disgraceful performance by the Obama administration because in the early part of 2012, craft from China and the Philippines were crowding around Scarborough Show, which is right. 124 nautical miles from the main Philippine island of Luzon. And God knows, like um, 700 or so nautical miles from the closest part of the Chinese landmass. Right. And the Obama administration actually negotiated a deal for both sides to withdraw their craft. Only the Philippines complied. That left the Chinese in control. The Obama administration decided not to do anything about it. (laughs) But then right after that, because we didn't do anything, China then started pressuring Second Thomas Shoal, also part of the Philippines, and started reclaiming those islands in the Spratleys and started pressuring the Senkakus in the East China Sea, which are Japan's. Right. So again, how, how is it that I, I see people all the time defending China, saying they're simply trying to expand their economic dominance when there's obvious uh, obvious aggression like this, Gordon? How do, we, how do we get people to understand this? I don't understand how the people don't understand this. I, I'm with you, Tony. I don't understand how they don't understand, except maybe they do not want to understand. <laughs> well, we'll go to that in a second. So so continuing the thinking here, 
the Chinese, as we've already established, see a whole of government approach to their aggression. The, the comprehension, co comprehensive, uh, essentially uh, um, expansion of uh, use of power. They will do information operations. They consider corporations, business activities to be an extension of the Communist Party. There's no such thing as, as private sector or private uh industry per, per se. I mean, it's all available to the Communist Party. And so uh, while they use the economy, they use information warfare, I would also arg argue they have done things to compromise the integrity of our political process by two things in particular. One is something we've talked about a lot, uh, fentanyl. Uh, the, the politics of fentanyl are very interesting by the fact that uh, the Chinese seem to be, seem to be invested and sending this stuff into Latin America and allowing those Latin American countries to manufacture illegal drugs, which obviously come across the border. There is not a single community today, not a single community today in the United States that's not been affected by fentanyl. But somehow, Gordon, we don't see the Chinese role in this as anything more than, eh, Chinese will be Chinese. I mean, how is it, again, we're allowing the Chinese to use a weapon of mass destruction to undermine every aspect, of, uh, uh, every, every, uh, every uh, culture, I'm sorry, every entity within our nation right now without regard to this. Yeah, and, and we got to remember that because the Communist Party runs a near total surveillance state, yeah. one could argue even a total surveillance state, that these large Chinese fentanyl gangs, which are well-organized international in scope, of course the Communist Party knows what's going on and they approve them. And we know they approve them, approve them, Tony, because Chinese diplomats have actually supported the operations of these fentanyl gangs. Yeah. And the gangs launder their proceeds through the Chinese state banking system. Right. So um, it's clear that this is the Communist Party um, involved in, I say, the murder of tens of thousands of Americans a year. Right. So to that point, how is it that our leadership, oh, my, by the way, this is my last point for this is it seems to me the Chinese invested from Al Gore on, maybe before Al Gore, uh, money. Uh, they've, uh, they've undermined and, and had spies penetrate the FBI. They've had spies penetrate all sorts of uh, 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 educational institutions. Gordon is a very young lieutenant. I used to do surveillance in Washington, D.C., of the diplomatic teams going into different conferences doing collection on our technology. So I, I, I've actually worked this at the tactical level as well. How is it we don't recognize the Chinese using soft power for purposes of undermining our political system? How is it we allow this to happen? TikTok, um, yeah. for instance. Also, yeah. um, um, massive Chinese donations to political campaigns in our country and um, you yeah. know, propaganda support. Um, Radio Free Asia reports that an intelligence unit of the People's Liberation Army actually based themselves in the Houston consulate, which has now been closed. And from there, they used um, big data to identify Americans likely to participate in violent protests. And they sent them, those Americans, videos by TikTok about how to riot. That's yeah. more than just subversion, Tony. That's an act of war. Yeah. So here we are, Gordon. I think I'd like to believe we've I've done my best within 20, 25 minutes to help give a, a, a deeper understanding for our audience. What do we do now? And the last couple of minutes here, what must we do to, to really get ahead of this now? What we must do is we must sever trade, investment, technical cooperation with China. We need to close their remaining four consulates. 
we need to strip the embassy staff in Washington just down to the ambassador. Um, we've got to turf out the state banks. Um, and the reason is China uses every point of contact to undermine and destroy our society. And we're being overwhelmed. So until right. we cut those links, um, until we can figure out how we can manage them, we cannot sustain this at the same time maintaining our freedoms and democracy. So I think that's the thing that we would, I'd like us all to focus on is sustaining our republic, our our. The, the, the amazing things which have created the best possible conditions for the world. And again, I'm not a neocon. I am not speaking here about aggressive war. I'm talking about the fact that the United States, for better or for worse, has been the guarantor of global uh, interoperability, uh, freedom of, of, of lines of communication, freedom of trade. Gordon, that's all being jeopardized because if we don't do it, the Chinese absolutely will, Right. Absolutely. Um, and there, even if we defend ourselves, they are going to be continue their malicious attacks on us. So we've got to understand their ambitions. We've got to understand their malicious tactics. And we have to realize that we're going to lose our country. I mean, it's not just the U.S. is going to become less important. We're going to actually lose our country if we don't start defending it. And the Chinese have they've gotten Macau. Uh, we just talked about the Scarborough Shoals. They got Macau without firing a shot. I do believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think they'd love to get Taiwan without firing a shot, but I don't think it's going to happen. And I do believe they're going to continue to be more and more aggressive until they are left with no other choice except using military force. Is that is that an accurate assessment, do you believe? Yeah, the people in Taiwan don't think that they're Chinese. Uh, we know this from self-identification surveys that um, somewhere between 75 to 83% see themselves as Taiwanese only. Right. The number on the island who see themselves as Chinese only is now under three percent. So yes, they will have to fire shots if they're going to if they're going to take it over. Well, Gordon, thank you so much for being here today uh, and sharing your insight and validation of of some of the information that I tried to help educate the, the our audience on relating to the realities of China. So I hope you will uh, continue to do everything you're doing to help educate folks. Uh, thank you again. And, and, and thank you on behalf of Dr. London. You've been one of the most loyal and effective uh, distinguished fellows of the London Center. Uh, I wish we had a dozen of you doing everything that across the board. So, Gordon, thank you again for being here today. I'd like to have you come back at some time in probably about three or four months to continue the conversation so we can go deeper into some of the issues regarding uh, what we can do regarding the Chinese military expansion. So thank you, Gordon, for being here. Well, thank you, Tony. And um, I'd love to come back on. So thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with this part two of The Hard Truth, Tony Schaefer, right after this. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. 
I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, povidone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com seven amazing years we know that if america fails the world will fail it is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty america out loud talk radio the liberty and justice for all This is Tony Schaefer with The Hard Truth, Part 2. We were powered by Sig Sauer, Never Settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I carried the best, and the best is Sig Sauer. Always, always carry the best, never settle, get Sig Sauer. We are on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. And check us out, all of us, at projectsentinel.net. Project Sentinel is our primary think tank work right now. And then London Center for Policy Research, LondonCenter.org. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. So we're back with part two. We're joined by the team, uh, the the provocative Chris Cordani, the codochromatic Tanya Miller, and the, the uh, spellbinding Elizabeth Breckenkamp. So here we are with the team to go through and talk about everything that uh, just happened with Gordon. So as you all know, Gordon's been uh, one of our distinguished fellows for a long time. And I say that as a really good thing. Uh, what do you all think of Gordon's assessment of where we're going with China? And let's start with Elizabeth. Every time I hear him on on Newsmax, wherever I hear him, he's he's always spot on. Um, I believe you had mentioned this and he had mentioned this also, how um, so many people in our country, unless they're like, being directly impacted by, for example, the fentanyl, you know, mm-hmm. that China's bringing in, they don't get it. Right. And, and you were saying, he's saying the same things like, I don't get why other people don't get it. It's like, why are people not paying attention? It's like they live in the Midwest. Oh, it's not affecting me. And it's, and, it's, and I know that that's one of the main reasons why we do the hard truth is to help 
educate people, but it's still, I still feel, feel very frustrated when so many people don't know what's going on and they're allowed to vote, <laughs> you know, and they vote consistently for the wrong people, which right. just continues, you know, it exacerbates these problems that we have with China. Like, for example, when he was saying, you know, um, Biden and other people who are running for office, they get enormous donations from China. And I hope this isn't a dumb question, but isn't that illegal? I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe I, you know. It's not illegal if you're a Democrat. Democrats have a different standard, Elizabeth. So don't be thinking that because you break the law and you're a Democrat, there's going to be accountability because it's just not going to be there. Dang, then I just need to call myself a Democrat but not vote Democrat. All right. Okay. So, Chris, what do you make of of how Gordon rolled into this and talked about this? Gordon's usually right about these things, and I will have to uh, concede to him most of the time. I will say, though, I will say that President Xi is... uh, is probably using a lot of this, I'm going to invade Taiwan, I'm going to go into Hong Kong, I'm going to pull out even further, just to gain political, I would guess, uh, almost like a political chess game against the others, scaring the the more powerful nations or or the equally powerful nations into succumbing to their wishes. This is why, uh, if you heard Anthony Blinken recently, uh, and uh, at the morning we are taping, Blinken released uh, the International Religious Freedom Report and, of course, made sure not to really mention China uh, in, the, in, the, in the announcement. But there was also a report earlier about this sort of thing, and China's, China was kind of, uh, let's say, conveniently left, out, conveniently left out of that report. The idea is, if Xi thinks that the other nations or anybody who can do anything about what he's doing inside his country is afraid he's going to maybe pick on or roll over a smaller country then he's going to use that as the strategy from here moving forward. Maybe he won't do a thing in the future. It's a waste of time and money. He gets so much leverage the other way. Right. Well, that's what we can't take a chance on, though, because I think we have to uh, hope for the best, plan for the worst. And I think that's where so much of what Gordon and I speak about. And I left Tanya to last because the very thing you're talking about, if their threats are real, if they intend on expanding their influence all throughout the Pacific Rim, which every indication is, uh, is so far they have, They've taken Hong Kong without a fire a shot being fired. They've expanded and started intimidating uh, nations around them to increase their their physical presence and built milling, build, building military bases in the South China Sea. Tanya, for better or for worse, Hawaii is in the third ring of the intended Chinese expansion. That is to say, the Chinese plan to do essentially the first ring, which is those islands which are closest in Taiwan, the Philippines, uh, total dominance of the South China Sea, East China Sea, then move out one level further than that to, to Guam and some other nations. Hmm. I'm going to come on after you. Are you ready to start speaking Chinese? No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did get a little bit of a scare the other night. I think I mentioned it to you, Tony. Uh, yeah. We saw the green lights come, uh, you know, by the side of the side of the house, my roommate and I. And um, we we saw the green lights like, OK, I have to look this up. It can't be that spy balloon situation, which, of course, it's been going around again. And we're getting mm-hmm. scant information on what's going on, the latest on that. But it was not. I believe it's the LIDAR topography that they're doing. And I think there may have been confusion with one of the spy balloons. So I'm trying to stay up to date of what's really happening. Yeah. What's what's truth? What's you know, conjecture? Uh, what's happening with that spy balloon? But aside from the spy balloon and the other things that's going on, um, we do have concerns because of 
the property that's being purchased personally several years ago wow. i had a, a fr friend that i rented land off of um the female that he started dating happened to be from china and then pretty much immediately made it impossible for me to stay so i left for like five months came back to uh, uh, have to move all my things and uh yeah basically the relationship ensued where she purchased a bunch of land uh an orchard and now that person that was dating her is taking care and tending that farmland and she went back to china so wow. i just wonder how how much has happened and yeah, it's so I wonder how many people are tending to land that belongs to people who live in China. But aside from that, um, uh, one of the um, uh, shops here on the Golden Coast in Waikiki had told me he was a, a shop owner and he was telling me some of the issues he was having. And basically they were buying. There was a lot of purchases on that Golden Coast by uh, certain companies with, you know, Chinese links and everything. It's just a a large amount of companies. And so it's like, okay, this is interesting. And then we have the condos. Uh, but aside from that, I'm looking at, um, you know, Gordon brought up Radio Free Asia right. and Radio Free Asia just reported yeah. um, at the end of April that China is bulldozing parks and Greenbelt around, I think it's Chengdu to create more farmland. Yeah, And so, you know, if they're bulldozing where they're, you know, ruining billions of dollars of investment of a project that they were really looking forward to and 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 their residents there are believing it's because they're saying they're they're being quoted saying they're preparing. It's a food scarcity situation they're preparing. And then when you go to research China farmland parks, you can see, you know, some reports about uh, projects from a while back. They've been planning, you know, the vertical urban projects, which is very smart, of course, you know, but yeah, it has you wonder, oh my gosh. And then, yeah, I'm here. I don't know what I will do if, you know, transportation, like, am I going to be locked in here? Am I going to be stuck yeah. here? Do I go somewhere else? I know a lot of people are buying land on, on Hawaii Island, which is what we call big Island. And they're trying they're, because of they're worried about what's happening with the U S but heck, if we're on the Hawaiian islands at all, you know, despite whatever's happening here with our own government falling apart, what happens if China has a reach? I, I really don't know what that reach is, Tony. So that, and I think that's the thing that nobody really does know, because uh, at this point, the Chinese have stated that they wish. And I, I really do. I would like to talk about this for a second, this dynastic thinking, the great rejuvenation where China then becomes the shining star that dominates the planet and then takes its domination in space. I don't know if you all been watching, but there's been a number of Chinese sci-fi movies where it, sh it shows the Chinese in space and uh, they're very dominant. Yeah, no, I'm, and, I'm, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm saying it because they actually this is the way their culture is seeing themselves. Remember, many of the of the products of, of, of their nation regarding films is a reflection and projection of what they want to be. It is. It's their aspiration. So mm -hmm. I see that what they are projecting right now is a nation which is bent on dominance. And, and yeah, I, I, Gordon uh, is not being over the top when they talk about the fact that they see themselves on the path to being the dominant force in, in the solar system, maybe the universe. Mm -hmm. And they believe it's their destiny. This is where their mystical thinking is actually driving uh, much of their uh, of their. Uh, point of view but the realities which they which you just mentioned tanya they actually are limited in how much food they can produce they're limited in potable water for their people they're limited on the population they have available to them to do certain things 
uh, it's going to age out. You're not going to have 20-year-olds available to go do military operations. There's a time frame that they're going to have the potential to do certain things, and that time frame is going to end about 2030, which to me then indicates over the next seven years, they're going to be moving out to do some, some things pretty aggressively. So let's go back, Elizabeth, to you real quick regarding the issue of the perception. You're in, you're in Virginia. We're in middle America here. Mm-hmm. Beyond fentanyl, people don't tend to understand the depth of this. So how would you go about what Gordon and I talked about? How would you try to, to get people to wake up without being overly alarmist to, to just get people to pay attention? I think just every opportunity you have to to speak with people who you know you normally <laughs> disagree with people. Yeah. Like I know I've mentioned this before. Almost everyone in my family, with the exception of my mom and my husband, is very, very liberal Democrat. And um, and we get along fine. But, you know, we normally just avoid, pol- you know, um, discussions about politics. But I think sometimes we're just we just have to. <laughs> swallow you know just kind of get over that we, we just have to simply talk to people we yeah. we have to really reach out um because it seems like so many people on the left and i hate to like talk about like us versus them because i don't want to seem like there's a divide because there shouldn't be a divide we're supposed to have common goals and we're supposed to care about people but i think so much of us on the right we care about people enough where we do want to reach out people on the left don't always reach out to us but we want to reach out to them i think it's just constantly um, engaging people, having conversations, of course, sharing um, podcasts like this, but also letting people know where they can get news sources other than the mainstream media. Like I love Epic Times, I love, you know, Newsmax, all these other, all these other news sources that people need to be going to. So many times I mentioned Epic Times, people like, what's the Epic Times? Like, you're kidding. You don't, you never heard of it. Yeah, and so it's really encouraging people, helping people to understand and educate them. To that point, the mainstream media cannot be trusted. I mean, oh, absolutely not. Anything you see, people still watch CNN. I have to wonder how much of their brain capacity they're using. I just, I, I I watch with a great deal of just like, what in the heck is going on? So, yeah, I I know Chris wants to get to another topic here in a second. I'll leave Tanya to give the last word on on the propaganda issue regarding kind of how the China, how we can counter the Chinese. Well, into Elizabeth's point about, you know, what what does the mainland regular U.S. you know citizen know about China? You know, yeah. it's varying, I, right? I like the However, way you said that. That was perfect. <laughs> we're not allowed. We're not allowed to have the conversation about China, the serious conversation. They'll mm-hmm. show those clips about Trump, then it makes it all us all, and then when we complain about left, whatever. So it's like, no, no, no. I'm not. I I, I don't have any racial issues or concerns about Chinese. Literally, they are my neighbors. So for people who understand about Hawaii, we're very, very extremely diverse, like more diverse than I feel like New York. I don't know. We have to do the studies. But my neighbors, <laughs> just so you understand, like homes like mine that I rent, it's an old cottage. They're all be, it's going to be demolished. It's going to be demolished as soon as the permit goes. These homes are being built and they're like compounds and multiple homes. People, multiple uh, people live in these huge co- apartment complexes and it's taking up full neighborhoods and these these old cottage homes are being destroyed and these huge. So I have any number of people on both sides of me that, you know, I mean, could look in all around and, and I have Chinese neighbors. I have Asian neighbors of all variety, 
all around. So it's not a racist thing. We love these people, work mm -hmm. with these people. It's ridiculous. Literally to say, we have to know who these other countries are. You have to understand who has interest and why. It's not to insult. Mm -hmm. It's not to insult Chinese or any of that. It's to say, this is what we cannot have. And we have protesters in Waikiki on the main drag. If you're going down in the evening time, you will see a CCP banner and people there from China who are sharing the information about what they've endured themselves mm -hmm. due to the CCP. So, right. yeah, we care. And just like even at CPAC, when I went to CPAC, I had the amazement of a crew there. I won't say who because now they're trying to discredit who, who that group was. But it was a lot of people from China who had amazing setup. They had a great interviews. Um, and I shared then we can't even talk about it without being called a racist. And that's how they get you if you can't even talk about the real issue. And again, it's not about the Chinese people. No, this they, is about right. the government. They, they, You're right. The China virus. Like, no, it's a China virus. It came from it came from Wuhan. It was probably engineered to be the weapon it was, and it may have been released purposely by the Chinese military. We don't and know. we don't know our our own role too as well. Right. So exactly. I have to so, well, we gotta move on from that. But I think it's this is a great topic. We'll have Gordon back and we'll expand the discussions on this because this, unfortunately, is not going away. So, Chris, back over to you. I know you wanted to talk some, about some other things. Well, well, we do, but it's getting close to yeah. that time. So we're going to do this as part, of Tony, as part of Tony's take. I do want to stick in here. You did scare us a little more than this whole <laughs> discussion about China and the military and taking over Taiwan. Mm. Their science fiction is what China or the Chinese Communist Party wants to be. What does yeah. that make our science fiction? Our country has produced science fiction where Stacey Abrams is the president of the world. Okay, and it's not true. I can see that's, it. I can see that's it. horrid. Okay, that is absolutely that's horrid. Collection deniers. She could probably be her own moon too if you oh. wanted to make it like oh. that. Oh. oh man. Oh. <laughs> What we know, Tony's the take human on death that. star. Human death star. I think the, that could be that could be like a movie, the human death star. And there are uh, a lot of flaws. Live from live from planet Earth, the new the new moon, planet <laughs> death star. I think it'd be great. I think it, we could produce that, Chris. Don't you think it'd be a great sci-fi movie? She could go I think we could. She could yeah, be like. I think we could. We, we should put like the, the laser the, beams the, together uh, and everything. The lead uh, uh, lead destroyer of buffets. I think she could do. Uh. That. Oh, oh. <laughs> what was that? John that Panetti uh... devastating the buffets. She would devastate buffets. I'm just oh, telling you, John Panetti. No buffet would be left uh, standing after she could. <laughs> John Panetti, the late John Panetti, the comedian, used to do a routine about uh, about eating at a Chinese buffet. He was a rather yeah. portly fellow, and he said, "You get out of here. You go <laughs> eating too much." Anyway, uh, well, I remember him. Tony's oh, yeah. Tony's no take. Was up. I was one of my takes. The death, <laughs> I, the death star, I, the human death star. Tony's take is sponsored by Sig Sauer. Never, Never settle. settle. Never um, settle. As you know, Title 42 has ended, Tony. Yes. I want to get your take on this because there are some major ripple effects. I live in Orange County, New York, a suburb or an exurb, if you will, of New York. And as you know, New York City accepted the responsibility of being a so-called sanctuary city, but they're sending a lot of the asylum seekers as the reporters because we don't have illegal immigrants we now have asylum seekers yeah. we, we can get to that in another show the definition yeah, sure. i want to ask you here here's what's going on in newburgh and in parts of new york and of course the city homeless veterans are being displaced from places where they were living the hotels where they were staying in favor of these i guess uh, so-called asylum seekers this is horrible we already have a homeless veteran population we can't take care of our own what's your take on all of this so, I mean, it's unconscionable by the fact that people in New York, New York City, 
there's a recognized homeless problem that's worse now than ever before uh, over the past uh, at least 20 years because I think Rudy Giuliani and the team that came in in the 90s really did a good job of cleaning this up, of helping find paths for getting people off the street. And now because of the lack of focus and understanding that you cannot allow a crime to just happen, which it does constantly, the, the broken glass theory of crime, the increased level of drug use, these are all things which have to be dealt with. And for better or for worse, veterans suffer from these these maladies and it's the priority has to be the veterans the idea that some law and this is where i'm like what law would ever be permitted that gives foreign nationals here illegally primacy over u.s citizens who have served this country i don't understand that i don't even know how anybody could could justify that uh no matter what happens to a veteran uh you know if he look we all have personal demons that we have to deal with some of those demons get the better of us and some of those veterans suffer greatly from ptsd from drug abuse drug use yeah i get it they're not the best examples of society but they are americans they are those which are due care and do a path potential path to, to recovery so the idea that you're disrupting that for, for people who simply want to be here because they want to be able to go to to Walmart and buy things cheaply and get an Obama or Biden phone and live off of the public uh, trough, uh, I don't, it's not acceptable. And I don't know in what universe this is acceptable to anybody. And I can't believe Mayor Adams' half ham-handed defense, I, I cannot believe it, a former NYPD sworn officer would be this uh, unfeeling about what he is directing be done to veterans. I just don't see how, I mean, I, this is something that I don't know how everybody's not fired up about at this point. He's a Democrat. He gets away with it. Oh, it, yeah. it was it was a de Blasio policy. Abrams could have stepped in and said, we're not making this a sanctuary city anymore. We have our own homeless problem. We have veterans who, who need places to stay, but he didn't have the guts to do so. And and not only, not only is, is the priority extremely obviously going to people who have broken our laws, invaded our country, the priority is more than that. Just displacing. This is how how outstanding it is. Yeah. They were getting ninety dollars, according to a, a local affiliate. I was just checking right before we went on. Um, ninety dollars a night for the homeless veterans. So the new, local news affiliate had reported they went from ninety dollars a night for the the homeless veterans to a hundred and ninety dollars. Jeez. to house the migrants wow so i don't know if they're piling in more migrants for that amount i don't know what but oh, per room, i'm sure they would per room. and so yeah. who's funding that how is that getting funded they more than doubled what the worth was to ho- house and keep them there sure yeah. they moved them but it is a displacement and when you talk to them and they finally count on something you understand you've they've displaced them at a length at a distance that is a whole other world for someone who's houseless to be displaced at a whole nother area after they get a little bit of time to acclimate see right. it's a complete disruption and it's a slap in the face because it's more than double what they were so so these people who broke our laws are worth more than the those who served our country for our freedoms I'm so confused. I don't know. No, you're yeah, right. Johnny, to that point, I mean, I want to hit that real quick. The, the economic incentive by the federal government makes it uh, very enticing for people to screw people over. I mean, think about that. That's a, that's a lot of money to be, be increased. If you have, say, I don't know, 100 people and you're getting uh, $100 more per night per person, 
that's a hell of a lot of money. That's a lot of incentive to do bad. And so the, the federal government has incentivized evil. That's what they've done here. This speaks to the character of all of those who support these kind of politicians and these kind of people who would do such a thing, uh, whether they own the hotel or whether they're virtue right. signaling about how we need to bring more immigrants in and we have to house them just to get political points. And speaking, speaks to that character. So, Chris, speak, speaking of uh, the a, a communist government using capital to do bad things, this is these are our taxpayer dollars going to New York, mm -hmm. the federal government to undermine veterans care. That's what's going on here. We and our security. We don't have a say in this. I would also add that you're overburdening the uh, suburban areas, areas like Orange County, which really yep. cannot take these in. Yeah, I get it. Newburgh's a small city, but again, we saw people being displaced. Funny, uh, it, it's funny. There's also another side note to this. Paying customers, wedding parties, they're also being displaced. I saw that. At the same, on the same <laughs> yep. token. But really, we have to solve our homeless veteran problem. And, we, and this is something that we should be raising attention to. Solve, solve the problem with our own homeless, our own homeless veterans, instead of trying to bring more people in and causing more. So they, but, but let, let's be clear right. on what's going on here. Right. This is ultimately a component of the Democrat plan. Some call it replacement theory. I call it the plan to establish a permanent underclass. That's what they're trying to do. Exactly. Basically by wave after wave of illegal immigrants coming in, they're trying to establish a permanent underclass, which gives big cities huge sway regarding the number of representatives and resources that goes to them. And then if they leak out into the community, such as yours, Chris, all the better because you, you weaken the resolve of those on the conservative side. So it's all a win-win for them. This is what's going on. And that's why you saw Mayorkas work to over to allow the system to be overwhelmed so that now they have this online application process so you apply you show up at the borders like i want asylum you process through and they release you that's all they do all they've done is created a, a hardened path for people to come here illegally it's all they've done and that's what they're doing right now so it's all in klaus schwab's new book how to create your own eloy yeah <laughs> that's right that's a great movie by the way the time machine if you haven't seen it you need to go back and see it it's a great movie so we have a quick take for a couple minutes left here all right. Daniel Penny, online fundraiser for his defense is up to two million smackers right. and lefties are crying and whining about it. Let's hear your take. The a fact that they, a Marine Corps veteran did what he could to defend those in the subway car. Now, uh, I've been on the subways. Chris, I, Tanya, I know you've both yeah. been on the subways. Uh, Elizabeth, have oh. you been on the subways? Oh, you're, yes. You're, <laughs> you're in a confined space. Mm -hmm. If someone starts acting out all aggressive, you have one of two choices. You're going Where are you going to go? You're going to get hit or you can hit. That's it. That, that's, it's mm -hmm. a bind. It's, it's on or off. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, defend or be completely complacent and get your, get your ass kicked. That's what, it, that's what it is. This Marine mm -hmm. simply stood up to try to defend himself and others around him. And this kid was apparently on drugs. I, I feel terrible that he's got a drug addiction problem. But some of us have actually come through. You know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh, knock on wood. I'm coming up on 31 years. There are people can get clean and sober. It's a matter of, of making, you know, life's a series of choices. You can choose good or bad. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry this kid had a, 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 a number of bad choices that put him in that subway that day on drugs that resulted in him acting out and making others insecure. That Marine did the right thing. And I think people were like, absolutely. If Al Sharpton gets involved, you know something's a bit shaky anyway. Remember the Tawana Broly case from back then? So speaking of, of Al Sharpton, he could be... Uh, and the, the next, the, the sequel to the Human Death Star, Human Death Star 2, 
the mm-hmm. Rat of of uh, Sharpton. I think that would be a great movie to make, don't you think? He's not going to want to share camera time with anybody. So I think it'd be great. It'd be, it could be like uh, it could be like the con of our generation. <laughs> imagine uh, that. Could, could you imagine them all kind of all pumped out in his little outfit, like Ricardo Montalban? You know, rich. Corinne. He'd love the attention too much. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it would. Yeah, it, it would it, he, he'd love it. It just as I said, he wouldn't want to share screen time with anybody, but I think he'd enjoy it. Certainly, certainly not the witnesses of the of the subway train that uh, justify what occurred there. So no, no, we don't want to give him more time. But thank so you. So speaking of time, it's out. We're out. And yeah. so it's another great episode of the Hard Truth of Tony Schaefer with my colleagues Elizabeth, Tanya, and Chris. Uh, we'll be back uh, again next week with another compelling desk guest. Not a desk, a guest. Well, actually, I have a desk. I'm on a desk, but we'll have and a guest. Well, that's right. <laughs> and so we, we always uh, enjoy you all showing up. They listen to our antics, and we hope to have you back again real soon. See you soon. Bye.